So today is our final message in our sermon series, Fear Not. We've been talking every week about how anxiety is a major issue in many people's life. And I would say it's a, of course, a psychological issue. Does everyone know what psyche means? It just means a soul. So when you go to a psychologist, that's a, someone who is a scientist of the soul. Our souls suffer from anxiety, many times severe anxiety, throughout our life. And God does not want us to live in the bondage of fear. Do you guys hear me? He does not want us to live fearful life. Now, I'm not saying we won't feel frightened at times, but I'm saying we can be courageous in Christ. And courageous is even though we're frightened about something, we still keep moving forward. We don't allow it to paralyze us or cause us to move the other way. So when we say fear not, I'm not just talking about a feeling. Of course, I want you guys to feel free in the spirit of God and the power of the gospel. But I'm talking about an action. I'm talking about when we're paralyzed by fear, it gets us stuck in a moment. We can be stuck in a moment in our life. Have you ever talked to someone and been there, been that person where you've been stuck in the same moment for 10 years and you can't get out of that moment? That's what a stronghold does. A stronghold is a way of thinking that keeps you in bondage so you keep circling back to the same place. What God wants to do is take you out of the circle of death and bring you into the life that the Spirit of God gives by the gospel. Stronghold will leave you in the same place, saying the same things, fighting the same fears, losing the same battles when we are called to be victorious in Christ. Amen? So what I'm talking about today, I'm not saying you're always going to not feel fear, but I'm asking you to be courageous that even when you feel fear to move forward. Because that's what courage is. That's what courage is. Because it's not always about being fearless. It's about at times feeling anxiety and stepping into the storm and allowing God to care for you and be your shepherd even when your enemies are all around you. That's real bravery. Real bravery is even when you're petrified. You say, I am weak, but my God is strong. He's my shepherd, and I'm going to step onto the battlefield because I know that he will fight for me. When's the last time you've seen a sheep take out a predator? Huh? Even if it worked together, a bear would just be like, swipe. Sheep are not war creatures. <laughs> okay? You don't see sheep fights. And if they are, they're nothing vicious. I'll tell you that much. A little wool fall off. Sheep need guardians. And those guardians are shepherds. We are sheep, and we, when we start thinking that we can fight for ourselves is when we start losing the war with anxiety. But when we start casting our burdens and our anxieties of God through prayer and through faith, that's when we start overcoming. That's why Paul said, when I realize I'm weak, that's when I'm at my strongest. When I realize I'm weak, that's when I'm my strongest. You're going to have enemies in your life. Jesus was perfect and sinless, and he had many, many enemies. Once you affiliate with Jesus, you immediately have many, many enemies. If you adhere to his teachings, as you worship him as the Son of God, if you stand for biblical morality soaked in grace, that you instantly have people who oppose you. 
That's why Jesus said this statement. They said, if they hated me, they'll hate you. Be careful who you're liked by. Be careful who you're liked by. Because to walk like Jesus means to be persecuted by Jesus. That's why he said, you're not greater than your master. Do you see what they're doing to me? You see how they accuse me? You see how they slander me? You see how they come against me? To a certain degree, walking like Jesus creates enemies. But I don't want us to be enemy-focused, because that can get us crazy, right? We want to be, you know, those crazy Red Sox and Yankees fans. Enemy-centric. If I see another barroom fight over, over a baseball game, I mean, lift the prayers to the heavens. This stuff is ridiculous. I was at one game, I almost saw a guy punch a guy off the balcony. Why? Because you're down 3-1? But people, we can become, our nature will make us enemy-centric. Where I get up every day with my enemies on my mind. Or I get up, they told me I can't do it, I can do it. Or that person's trying to keep me down, they're not keeping me down. That's all the wrong strength to walk in. We become the goodness of God-centered. Like David said, how many enemies did David have all through his life? And we'll talk about this, we'll unpack this. He had an enemy from day one when he was anointed to be the new king of Israel. Anointed to be God, set apart by God, enemy Day one. But his proclamation at the end of his life was not, my enemies followed me all the days of my life. He said, God's goodness and mercy tracked me down all the days of my life. And that's what I want you guys to see today. You have goodness and mercy tracking you down. And when you have a mindset that goodness and mercy is tracking you down, you don't live in a fearful way. You live in a fear not way. Amen? This is huge. This is a different kind of mentality. This comes out of the bondage of paranoia. What does paranoia have you think? It has you think you're in final destination. You're waiting for a ladder to fall on you. You're dodging cars that aren't even there. You think that person falling was just your neighbor trying to give you some cookies. Paranoia will do that in the bondage of fear. Create false realities. But faith comes in and creates the reality of God, that he is for you, that he is with you, that he is your shepherd, and that goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. That's the mindset where freedom lives. And you don't fear not when you have that kind of mind. And that can only be through the power of the gospel and the spirit of God. So we're going to go through three things today. Fear not because God can cause you to thrive even around your enemies. Fear not because God will protect you against your enemies. And fear not because goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. Goodness and mercy will follow us. So let's start here. I don't want to take for granted. Some of you are at church for the first time in a while. When I say a while, I don't mean just this Sunday. Like you took about 20 years old, 20 years off and you're back. So I don't want to take for granted that you know who King David is, or biblical David is, all right? Because we want to be a church that preaches to the on-church. We don't take for granted, even though I'm excited, a lot, of me, a lot of you are telling me you're in the Bible and you haven't been in your Bible since the late 90s, and I'm loving that. But King David was a real historical figure that existed around 1000 BC, the youngest of many brothers. 
No one saw him as the future king. We see him for the first time in 1 Samuel 16. It says, God roamed the earth looking for someone that had his heart. Because the king saw the first king of Israel had become evil. He loved the praise of man. He loved being king. And he in many ways became his own God. And God says, "My, I have turned from Saul and I'll find one who has a heart after me. It brings them, the prophet Samuel goes to Bethlehem, the city of David. When Samuel walked in town, everyone said there was a reverence and fear, a healthy fear of God when the prophet walked in town. They said, something's going down. Something's going down. Walked to the house of Jesse. Jesse had many sons, charismatic, handsome. Jesse David's father didn't even bother getting David for the lineup. Samuel said, God has chosen a king out of your sons. He didn't even bring David to the lineup. Each person went by, this is not the man, this is not the man, this is the man. Finally, he said, what, what's going on? Is this all your sons? He said, I have one who's a shepherd. I didn't even bring him to the lineup. He doesn't look like he got the right stuff. They go get David, ruddy, good-looking teenager shows up he doesn't know what's going on is he in trouble Samuel hears from God and he makes this statement I need you to hear this statement here he said man does not God does not look as man looks see man looks at the outward God looks at the heart he said this is the man I've chose to be the next king at that moment he's anointed with oil he gets Many, many enemies. Many enemies. Saul, who's on the throne, wants to kill him. He tries to murder him multiple times. When's the last time one of your enemies threw a spear at you? Then you have it good compared to David. He'd be playing the hop for him, stripping it up, little Psalm 23, trying to help out Saul. And he was just like, David, see ya. Just eating the dinner. Just eating dinner. He was a mighty warrior. Saul just get irritated by dessert. Tuck a spear at him. David, see ya. He tried to set up David time and time again. He said, you know how those sneaky evil enemies are. He said, you know what? I won't do it by my hands, but I'll put them on the front line against the Philistines because they'll overcome them. David doesn't have what it takes. He sends David out. David kept coming out victorious because he would thrive among his enemies. Saul would say, he's going to die out there. He's going to die out there. He doesn't have what it takes. And David will go out there in the spirit of God, and he'd just be slain foe after foe, and enemy after enemy by the spirit of God. And he kept thriving. This is why David said, my shepherd prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My enemies are witnessing God's favor on my life. Over and over again, whether it was running away from the king, the most powerful person in the kingdom, trying to kill him, living in caves. God would cause David to thrive even when he was on the run. When his own family rejected him and his son turned on him and tried to take him down, God caused David to thrive. Over and over again, in battle after battle against his enemy, David thrived. And I want you guys to hear this today. You will have enemies To live is to have enemies. If you stand for anything, you will have people who oppose you. 
If you stand for anything, you have people who oppose you. What I want you to hear you today, the Lord is your shepherd, and he's actually ordained that even the enemies in your life, that they will see his favor on, your, on, his life for, on your life for his namesake, and it will actually bring glory to him. The key is to fear not even when your enemies are around. That's the key. So I want to give you a couple of questions to relate to your everyday life. Does your boss feel like your enemy? Are they acting in ways that are affecting your career? Fear not. God will cause you to thrive even in your workplaces, even if you have foes. Has one of your family members turned on you and become your enemy? Fear not. You don't have to defend yourself. God will. He will show you favor even in the midst of the gossip and the slander. For our younger people, is there someone who's bullying you at school, maybe emotionally or physically? They're acting like your enemy. Fear not, because God will show you his nature, his love, and his care, even with those who try to humiliate you and make you feel less than what you are made in the image of God. God will cause you to thrive amongst your enemies. But we are Christians, therefore if we follow Jesus, we will have enemies. But God will cause us. He will prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Amen? Take that wherever you are in your life. Would you hear that God is for you today? That goodness and mercy like you can't shake it. That brings us to our second part. Fear not because God will protect you from your enemies. So when you think about shepherds leading sheep into green pastures, you realize that the shepherd is watching and whether there's bears or whether there's wolves, that even in the presence of their enemies, they can eat because the shepherd's there with his rod and staff. And I'm telling you, they'd throw even that, that rock there, that was like having a 22. They would pick off predators from deep. When you've got nothing to do in the green field all day, you just get shot with a rock. So they felt comfortable when they ate because the shepherd was watching. But a lot of times what we don't think of, we think of the big the big predators like lions and tigers and bears, oh my. We think of the big predators. We don't think about the little pests that can sometimes do more damage, like the flies, the insects, the ticks. I hate ticks. Can't even go in the woods no more without thinking, what is it? What is it? I, I, I swore I've had Lyme disease three times. I've just been scared. I'm allergic to mosquitoes. It makes the same bullseye. I got to walk into the doctor's office like, what is this? Look it. I got it. I told you. He's like, no, man, you're just allergic to mosquitoes. I said, this ain't right. And I'm telling you, if you saw it, you would realize I'm not hyping it up. It legit looks like a bullseye. Like the first time it happened this summer, now it was like, oh, I think it's okay. It's not a full bull. Second time, she's like, you have Lyme disease. Are you okay? <laughs> that was sidetrack. But with the sheep, right? The insects would do something horrible unless something happened. See, the shepherd loved the sheep, so what he'd do, when you hear, he anoints my head with oil, the sheep would take oil. I mean, the shepherd would take oil and pour it over the head of the sheep. I mean, just drench the sheep's head. It was like the modern day off. Pour all through the nose, through the ears, just pour it over, because if they didn't do that, some of you would say, that's not a big deal, they're going to get a few mosquito bites. No, that's not what would happen to the sheep. 
The insects would get into the sheep's ear if the shepherd did not anoint their head with oil, make a nest in the sheep's brain, and this is pretty graphic, begin to eat away at the sheep's brain. You know what the sheep would do? They would crack their heads because they would feel the insect inside their brains. They would crack their heads against the rocks to try to stop the pain if the shepherd did not pour that oil over their heads. Now, the reason I bring this up because I need to hear this in a spiritual, metaphorical way when it comes to anxiety. Sometimes the words of your enemies are greater than your enemies. The thoughts that they have planted in your mind will torture and torment you until you metaphorically want to bang your head against the wall. Do you guys hear what I'm preaching right now? The words of our enemies cut deeper and can shape our identity and anxiety if we do not allow the Spirit of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ to have the better word. Some of you, some of us, are tormented by thoughts of our enemies. And let's make it even deeper. Our greatest foe, Satan. Because we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. That's the word of God. God has you, let me put this like this. Satan uses vessels, people, as instruments to speak words that will torment you. It could have been an abusive stepfather that told you you were of no value with the words. And it stayed in your thoughts and it has tormented you. It could have been someone who abused you. And through their abuse and the words they spoke to you, it has tormented your mind and you want to bang your skull against the rocks with anxiety and being overwhelmed. It could have been someone who abandoned you and rejected you, saying with their actions that you are of no value. But Christ speaks a better word through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are set free, and God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Amen? Power, love, and a sound mind. I want to speak that over many of you today. It's time for you to live in the freedom of Christ. Some of you, People have spoke words that you are too filthy to be loved and forgiven by God. That the cross was not powerful enough to wipe your filth away. And I tell you today, you are cleaner and whiter than snow because of the power of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. That is that anointing oil going over your soul that does not allow those thoughts to get in and eat away at your soul. You are free, and he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Indeed. That's how our shepherd protects us. 
when the gospel of grace, the good news of Jesus Christ, washes over our minds, the lies of our enemies and the words of our enemies have no power over our life because we are children of God, bought with a price by the blood of Christ. Isn't that great news? God's love triumphs over those false realities, accusations, and slanderous words that our enemies have spoken over us in our lives. We do not have to bang our skulls against the rocks in torment, but rather we can lift up our eyes to the sky in peace and know that God is for us and he is our shepherd. See, fear makes you think that our enemies are following us and they have the final word, which is death. But faith lets you know that mercy and goodness are following you and they have the final word, which is life. Do you guys hear what I'm preaching? Perspective is huge when it comes to overcoming fear. If you think that God's out to get you, you are going to be afraid all the time. Believe me, I come from a long line of paranoid people. There's always stuff going on. One time, there's this guy kept walking across my house. I don't like it. On the main street. I kept saying to myself, who is this beeping guy? I said, friggin', I didn't use the other one. Pastor's a little more sanctified, not much. I said, why is this guy? And I said to Natalie, why does this guy keep walking across on the road? I don't like it. Then they walk back, and I say, now there's something up with this dude. Watch him. Watch him. The poor guy is one of Kira's best friends. The daddy used to walk his daughter to school. I got a mock by the FBI. And you know, you pass that thinking onto your kids in funny ways. One time, I don't know if Ty is okay with telling you, but it's pretty funny. There's this creepy Robin, and this is just lighthearted. There's this creepy Robin that comes up on my front lawn three times a week. And he's real creepy looking. Talia thought he was with the, the FBI or something. But even joking, she's like, that, that, that Robin's watching us. I said, those are my genetics. You better fight that young kid. You better fight that young. You'll think everybody's around the corner. See, but David had a different mindset. David said, I can't shake goodness and mercy. I can't get it off my back. I have all these enemies. They're all coming against me. They're all looking for me. But that's not what marks my mind when I wake up. What marks my mind when I wake up is that no matter how many enemies come, goodness and mercy are going to still mark my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's a different kind of mindset. The great Charles Spurgeon, which is called the Prince of Preachers, he has a wonderful quote where he metaphorically says, these twin guardian angels will be always with me at my back and my back. Goodness supplies our needs and mercy blots out our sins. Goodness supplies our needs and mercy blots out our sins. We need both of them, don't we? Some of us need a nice dose of a mentality that goodness is following us and that mercy is blotting out our sins. You know, so one of my favorite people in all my life was Donna's mother, Anne. So I, this is a story I want to use that was just thinking about it. Back in the early 80s, I'd go over there on Saturdays. And she felt like she'd follow me around doing good things. Like when I walked through the house, she knew how to make a sandwich. Now, you might have people in your life that don't really make a sandwich. They're just trying to get it over with. They put the bread. It's not even. They're throwing stuff. It's barely cut. There's no lettuce on it. They don't care about you, really. They need sanctification. 
You know, you're just, you're inconveniencing them. It don't even look by the sandwich, like a sandwich by the time it gets on the table. See, Anne had love and that goodness. She toasts the bread. If you're not toasting the bread, ask yourself some questions in life. She toasts the bread. Salame, the good cheese, and you got to get the right amount of mayo. You can go too light or too heavy on the sandwich. She put the right amount of mayo on it, and this is where the next level of sandwich making happens right here. If you're cutting your sandwich straight down, you're making wrong decisions in your life. You've got to go diagonal with the cut. Does anyone else feel the same way? When you go diagonal with the cut, it preaches the gospel. It says, I love you. I'm not in a rush. Goodness is for you. What else you need? So right when I got to the door, I got this kind of sandwich. The moment I ate the last crumb on that sandwich, there was a fudgicle in my face. What you need, a fudgicle? Fudgicle, a big hit in the 80s. If you had a fudgicle, it was like people were envious. You need a fudgicle? Then you sit in the king's chair in the living room. What do you want to watch? See, the remotes didn't work like the same way. So someone would go up and they'd turn the TV on for you. What do you want to watch? And I was like, this is too good. I can't shake this. I can't shake this. And if you were a kid, if you were a boy in the 80s, you said put on the creature double feature. Who remembers the creature double feature? A lot of old brothers in here. I'm getting old, 40. I'm not playing around no more. It was Godzilla vs. King Kong or the classic, the creature from the Black Lagoon. It was creepy back in the day. You watch it now, you're like, this is bad. But no matter what it was, I felt like she was there to do good things for me. What do you need? How do I serve you? I'm here to follow you around and do good things. And you know what happens when you're in someone's house where they're constantly there to serve you and make you feel good and do good things for you? You never want to leave the house. You want to dwell in that house forever. See, my home wasn't like that. There was fear and there was paranoia in my home. There was brokenness. But when I went into a house where it felt like goodness was following me around, I said, I never want to leave this place. How many people feel like that when it comes to the house of God? When you hear people singing, when you hear the words that speak life to you, when you see people with smiling faces that say, we love you and we're glad you're here. We're glad you're part of this church family. Fear cannot live there. That's why David said, I'd rather be a tent maker in God's house. I don't even care what assignment I have. Because I want better is one day in his house. One day with his family. One day with all of us redeemed who call him father and shepherd. I'd rather have one moment with you guys reveling in the grace and presence of God than a thousand in the evil tent. See, fear cannot live where God is shepherd. Fear cannot live in the family, in the house of God, when we look to his grace, his goodness, and his mercy. And we don't have to fear. We don't have to fear. We fear not when we are more aware of the presence of God than the presence of our enemies. We fear not when we are more aware of the presence of God than the presence of our enemies. And I'll close with this. Jesus had many enemies, as I've said a few times. 
But he did something so powerful through the gospel that even surrounded by his enemies in the presence of his enemies, he died for his enemies. And what was really happening is that his enemies thought they were having victory, but God prepared a table before him for his son. Well, when he was dying for his enemies, the name of Jesus would be lifted so high that all the redeemed would worship him as the greatest name to ever exist for all eternity. See, it looked like the enemies were winning, but really Jesus was establishing himself as the greatest, amen? And you think that this is what makes him the greatest. Jesus, even while he's being murdered, and I want you to think of what your enemies do to you, do to you but it will never match what they were doing to Jesus. They, as they're murdering the Son of God, they're casting lots for his clothing with disregard for his life. How, how much of a mockery and disregard for his life. When I even pay attention to dying, who gets his robe? They're spitting on him. They're humiliating him. They're laughing that they get to be part of his death. Yet Jesus utters these words that make him the greatest. He says, Father God, forgive them, for they don't even know what they're doing. And he offers forgiveness to all of his enemies. And today, I want you, I want us to offer forgiveness to those who have been our enemies. See, our enemies have power over us when we don't forgive them. But the blood of Christ that he's forgiven us of so much allows us to forgive our greatest enemies and that itself frees our soul to live free from anxiety. He did not let fear define him, but rather let the love of his heavenly father and love for his sheep motivate him. He was killed, buried for three days, and rose again, defeating all of our enemies, the enemies of our souls for our soul forever see the gospel allows us to fear not because jesus is the good shepherd of our soul and he will protect us from all our enemies he will cause us to thrive among our enemies and he because he's our shepherd because he's following us goodness and mercy is with him amen restoration road live in that truth live in that truth of psalm 23 let's pray Dave, can you put Psalm 23 up here? Would that take too long? I'll pray a long prayer. The ESV, please. If you guys could get ready, if you want to turn to Psalm 23, I just feel led by God to do this. I want us to pray Psalm 23 together, okay? It's the end of our series, and I want this to really ring true in our souls today. I want you guys to feel the love, all of us to feel the love of our God and I'll just pray, Dave, and you let me know when it's ready to go. Heavenly Father, I pray that strongholds were broken today. As we have been praying, Dave and I, continually, I pray that people walk out of here free. That the thoughts that the enemy has established and the strongholds that have caused circles in our life that they would be shattered and crushed by our glorious shepherd in the power of the cross and the resurrection today. 
please hear our cry for that, Lord. Not only today, Lord, that we would be freer from fear and stronger in faith and love and courage, but that restoration role would be known as a place where strongholds are broken, where you take broken things and you restore them. You take fearful people and you make them faith-filled people. You take cowards and you make them courageous. All because of your gospel and the power of your spirit. You truly are our shepherd. Where will we be without you, Father? You have protected us. You have watched over us. We can truly say goodness and mercy is following us. Thank you that we are in your house, in your family. Be part of your family, to be in your house, to be in your presence. It's better than life. It's better than life, Lord. One day is better than a thousand elsewhere. We, we pray and we agree with the psalmist. Amen.